Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. We're now going to have our second Bible reading, and uh, it's John chapter 4, and verses 1 through to 26. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord heard of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was the sixth, about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I speak to who am he. So you want to know what caused the change in my life, do you? Well, it all happened a number of years ago now, on a a particular day. Nothing extraordinary about the day. Got up as usual. Akim was there, complaining as usual. The food is not good enough, the house is not clean enough, and he kept yelling, I can't find my outer robe. I just don't think this relationship's going to work. Don't get me wrong, I was trying really hard. I was desperate. You see, 
I had been divorced five times. And a Kim, well, we just living together. Anyway, whenever I was, ever since I was little, I always felt there was something missing in my life. A kind of emptiness. A thirst for, for meaning and purpose. A, a thirst for happiness. But there was nothing I could do that could quench that thirst. I remember when I met Josiah. He was the man of my dreams. And I was convinced that when I married him, my inner thirst would be quenched. But it wasn't long after the honeymoon period that I realized that nothing had changed. And it only got from bad to worse. Eventually, Josiah threw me out. And before I knew it, I'd been divorced five times. Not to mention all the guilt and the shame. You sure can pick them, my mom would shout before slamming the door in my face. But I kept saying to myself, if only I could meet the right guy, then my thirst would be quenched. Anyway, back to that day. Like I said, nothing extraordinary. It was the middle of the day, 12 o'clock midday, and I took my water jar and I was heading off to the well. Sorry? What? Oh, yes, yes, it is, it is unusual to be going to the well at, at middle of the day, in the heat of the day. And, and yes, you're right, all the other women do go first thing in the morning and again in the evening when it's cool. But when you've been divorced five times and you're currently living with a man out of marriage, well, let's just say I would rather go to the well at the heat of the day than face the stares and the whispering and the cold shoulders. From the other woman in the town. So anyhow, I set off to the well. And as I was walking to the well with my heavy jar in the bucket in the heat of the day, I had the usual nose lifting and back turning from the other woman in town. And the usual rude comments from the men. I was getting kind of immune to it all. But to be honest, it did hurt. I so badly wanted to be liked, to be accepted. To be loved. Anyhow, when I arrived at the well, there was this, this stranger sitting there. He looked hot and exhausted. It looked like he'd been traveling all day and had a fair speed too. He was all sweaty and thirsty. Not surprising considering the heat of the day. He was a Jew for sure. I could tell by his curls and his tassels. And I remember thinking to myself, what on earth is a Jewish man doing here in Samaria. You see, as Samaritans and those Jews, we don't get on. As Samaritans, we were part of the northern tribes of Israel. And then about 700 years ago, the Assyrians invaded, took most of our ancestors off to captivity. The few of us who remained, we intermarried with the Babylonians, whom the Assyrians had brought into the land. As a result, the Jews, those from the southern tribes, they considered us to be unclean. Or even worse, they considered us to be traitors. Well, we don't like them much either. When they came back from captivity, we offered to help rebuild their temple. But they refused our help. So we refused to worship in Jerusalem, and we built our own temple right here on this mountain by this well. That all happened about 400 years ago. And then 100 years ago, they came and destroyed our well. Yeah, you could say there's no love lost between us Samaritans and them Jews. Look, don't get me started. 
Anyhow, so you can imagine how shocked I am to see this, this Jewish man sitting at our well. Normally, Jews would never travel through Samaria. Even though it's the quickest way to get from Jerusalem to Galilee, they would travel all the way around. That's how much they despise us. But then the strangest thing happened. Just as I was lowering my bucket into the well, this stranger says, Will you give me a drink? I got such a shock. I almost fell into the well. You see, firstly, Jewish men don't associate with Samaritans. And secondly, Jewish men don't speak to women in public. They even advise not to speak to their own wife in public. So you can imagine how shocked I was. Then I thought to myself, how typical. How typical of an arrogant Jewish male. They will never speak to a woman unless they need something. So I said to him, I said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Yeah, I told him. You'll never imagine what he said. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Definitely wasn't the answer I was expecting. And to be honest, I didn't really know what he was talking about, the gift of God. But I could tell there was something different about him. He wasn't like the other Jewish men I'd met. I thought, well, maybe he's a rabbi. But rabbi or not, you still need a bucket to draw water out of the well. And as for that fresh running water, what, what did he call it? Uh, living water? Well... There aren't any rivers or springs around here. The only water you're going to get is stilled water out of Jacob's well. So I said to him, Sir, thought I'd better be polite, or he might be a rabbi. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And then it was some sort of confidence suddenly came over me. And I said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the world and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? I mean, who does this mere man think he is? Does he think he's greater than Jacob, the father of Israel? Jacob was only able to give us still water out of this well. How can he, rabbi or not, give us fresh running water? I ask you. Well, again, you, you would never believe his answer. He said, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever dr drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, I was still a bit confused. I, I had no idea uh, where he was going to get this living water from. But I wasn't about to let an opportunity like this pass. The idea of not having to come to the, to the well every day in the heat of the day sounded very appealing. So I said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to you to draw water. Then he said the most unusual thing. He said, Go call your husband and come back. I can remember at the time thinking to myself, like, What on earth? Has that got to do with me getting living water? Later I discovered it had everything to do with me getting living water. 
But I didn't want to get into all the messy detail of a chem in my south. The last thing I needed now was more condemnation. For I knew that the Jewish law was the same as the Samaritan law, that you were only allowed to be divorced three times. I was well over the limit. And as for a chem and myself, well, these religious types, they will never understand. So I just said to him, I have no husband. Technically, it's true. You're right, the rabbi said, when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. It was as if he was reading my autobiography, and suddenly I realized he was a prophet. And I felt completely exposed and intimidated. I also felt really uncomfortable. So I did what any sane person would do in that situation. I said, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped here on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. In other words, I changed the topic. You see, these rabbis and prophets, they're just like Baptist ministers. You ask them some abstract theological question, like the place of worship, which was a hot potato in my day, you got them off on a tangent for about half an hour. I figure by then I'm done with the well and I'm out of here. But this prophet wasn't so easily fooled. He said, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Okay, so location isn't important. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now we all knew that the Messiah would come from the Jews and bring salvation to the whole world. But then he said, yet a time is coming and has now come When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. They are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Again, to be honest, I didn't really know what he was talking about. Okay, I've got the basics. Location isn't important. Doesn't matter if it's a temple or mountain, wherever. But what did all this... What did he mean by true worshippers would worship in spirit and truth? And what did that have to do with me receiving this living water? And what did that have to do with my husband, for that matter? To say I was confused would be an understatement, for this was one wacky conversation. But I did like the idea of being a true worshipper. I wanted to be a true worshipper. I'd always wanted to be a true worshipper. I just didn't know how. So I said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then the stranger at the world turned and looked at me and said, Ah, the one speaking to you, Ah. Am he? As soon as he said it, it was as if scales fell from my eyes, and all of a sudden, I, I understood everything he was saying, and I realized that this stranger at the well was the Messiah. He was greater than Jacob. And as I stood there face to face with the Messiah, suddenly everything made sense. The fresh running water 
The living water wasn't fresh running water. He was talking about the Spirit of God, that life-giving vitality that quenches our inner thirst. I felt a bit stupid for taking Jesus so literally. And no wonder when I asked for that living water, he said, he, he asked me about my husband. For in order to receive the Spirit of God, we need to come before God in truth. I needed to be open and honest about my situation, about my past, about my sin. For true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That day at the well, I discovered that wholeness isn't the absence of brokenness. Wholeness is facing our brokenness and finding healing in the act of honesty. It's denial and dishonesty that gives sin its power in your life. And though facing who we are might seem frightening, in truth, it's freeing. For true worshippers will worship God in spirit and in truth. My whole life I've been trying to find love and acceptance, meaning and purpose through my relationships with my husbands, as if they could quench my thirst. That day I discovered that there is absolutely nothing that is able to quench my thirst other than the living water that comes from Jesus. It's only by being in that right relationship with God, worshipping God in spirit and truth, that our thirst will be quenched. That we will find meaning and purpose in our life. And that day I received that living water. And it became a well springing up within me. And when I left the well, I even left the water jar behind. John chapter 7 and verses 37 and following says, On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you offer living water, real living water that becomes a, a well within us, springing up, truly satisfying that inner thirst. And Father, we confess that so often we've tried to to quench that thirst through relationships with other people, through work, through various activities. But the more we do that, we still feel empty inside. Father, we acknowledge that it's only you who can quench that inner thirst. And we thank you that because of Jesus, you've made it possible for us to be forgiven, for us to become whole, and for us to receive that, that living water. And so we pray that you would fill us with that water afresh today. In the name of Jesus. Amen.